Welcome to Christian Assembly, a family church. Since 1930, we've been serving the communities of Western Pennsylvania, Ohio, and West Virginia with the good news of Jesus Christ. With over 40 years of Bible teaching and ministry experience, Pastor Bill brings faith-filled revelation from God's Word. We believe with you, wherever you are, that God will inspire and change your life through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly, follow us on social media or visit our website at cafamily.net. Amen. How many of you desire for God to pour out his spirit and manifest his glory and demonstrate his power in your life? Isn't that what we long for, every single one of us? It should be a desire that we have. We want reality with him. We want to see to it that he, we experience the fullness, as Paul said, of who he is in our lives. Well, sometimes when we think along that line, and sometimes even when we pray along that line, we kind of get in our minds the idea, well, God has got to just pour out more of his spirit. God has got to unleash his fire. God has got to do this and God has got to do that. Well, the question is, is that what it really is that needs to happen? Or is it that we need to do our part to add fuel to the flame that he's already ignited in every single one of us? We add fuel to the divine flame. And as we add that fuel, it results in the fire of God becoming brighter and brighter, the glory of God in manifestation, the power of God on display and demonstrated and saving the lost or healing the sick and so on. So in the book of Leviticus chapter 9, verses 23 and 24 will be our opening text. Look at what it says. And Moses and Aaron went into the tabernacle of the congregation and came out and blessed the people, and the glory of the Lord appeared unto all the people, and there came a fire out from before the Lord, and consumed upon the altar the burnt offering and the fat, which when all the people saw, they shouted and fell on their faces. You talk about an act of worship and praise of God that was a response to what they saw when the glory appeared and the fire came out and consumed the sacrifice. You don't have to coerce somebody into worshiping God when you see something like that. You don't have to say, clap your hands or sing a little louder or do whatever when you see something like that happen. Trust me, it's spontaneous. When you see the glory and the fire of God on display and manifestation, amen, it's just automatic. They fell their, on their faces to the ground. Well, when he set up the tabernacle and followed the instructions that the Lord had given him, that's when... All this occurred. That's when the glory appeared. That's when the fire was in manifestation. And that's when the sacrifice was consumed. And what does that reveal to us? There's a twofold work here. On one hand, you've got man doing his part. On the other hand, we've got God doing his part. Man prepared the altar and the sacrifice. And God provided the divine flame to burn up the sacrifice. And so we call this the law of human and divine co cooperation, working together with God to accomplish his purposes. And when they did their part, God was faithful to do his part. 
And that's how it always is with no matter who we are. We've got a part to play in it. And he's got a part to play in it. Well, what does that fire represent? It represents the presence of God. It represents the power of God. It also represents the judgment of God or the refining of God in the life of a person. It represents our being reminded of our need for God, for his presence in manifestation in our lives on a daily basis, not just once a week, but every day of our lives. We want to commune with him. We want to walk with him. We want to have his mind, know his heart, fulfill his purpose for our lives. Well, in the book of Leviticus, chapter 6 and 13, we see a, a truth here. God provided the holy flame, the fire. They provided the sacrifice. But then it was up to the priests to see to it that they maintained everything. Look at Leviticus 6 and verse 13. The fire shall ever be burning upon the altar. It shall never go out. Think about that. Once the holy flame has been kindled, that divine flame, it was up to the priesthood to see to it that they maintained that fire and never allowed the fire to go out. Why? It was a holy flame. It was divine. It came from heaven above. The presence of God was there. The fire of God was on display. It wasn't a human-made fire. It wasn't a natural fire. It was a holy flame. A holy fire. Our God is a consuming fire. And that was the fire that was on the altar. Well, how were they supposed to keep it burning all the time? And if you do a study, you'll find out even when they traveled, they traveled in a cert certain way that they protected the fire from going out. And then they had to, at some point, transition from the tabernacle to the uh, temple itself. But the point being... It was re the responsibility of the priests to see to it that that fire never went out 24-7. What did they have to do? They had to, first of all, remove the ashes. And once they removed the ashes, they had to add the wood, fresh wood, and position it like the Lord said, and then offer another sacrifice. So every day, twice a day, imagine this. This is what they had to do. And these priests were responsible to do it, to keep the holy flame burning. That was their responsibility. Well, look at chapter of Exodus, chapter 29. And notice in verse 38 through 42, we read these verses. Now, this is that which thou shalt offer upon the altar, two lambs of the first year, day by day, continually. The one lamb thou shalt offer in the morning and the other lamb thou shalt offer it even. And with the one lamb a tenth deal of flour mingled with the fourth part of an hin of beaten oil, and the fourth part of an hin of wine for a drink offering, and the other lamb thou shalt offer it even, and thou sh and shalt do thereunto the meat of the morning, and according to drink the drink offering thereof for a sweet savor, an offering made by fire unto the Lord. This shall be a continual burnt offering throughout your generations at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation before the Lord, where I will meet you to speak there unto you. Imagine that. 
Can you imagine that responsibility or that duty to be yours every single day to do exactly what we just read there? Why? So we can have an audience with God, so we can speak with God, so we can meet with God. This was a tall order for this priesthood. This was their responsibility to keep the divine flame and the fire burning there among the people. Well, continually is the key word here. Consistently. Every single day, you could not take your eyes off the divine flame. It had to be burning constantly. And you did this every single day. So you can have that continual audience with God. So you could be in his presence and experience his power. This was their duty. This is their responsibility. And the fire had to be, as I said, divine. Why? Look at chapter 10 of the book of Leviticus, verses 1 and 2. And Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took either of them his censer and put fire therein and put incense thereon and offered strange fire before the Lord, which he commanded them not. And there went out a fire from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. You think God cares about how he is worshipped? Is he serious about how we approach him? He gave specific instructions and orders as far as to how they were to offer up sacrifices. And when these two sons of Aaron made a decision that they were going to do it their way and not do it God's way, oh, the fire came out from before the Lord, but it didn't burn up the sacrifice. It burned up their lives. And they died there before the presence of the Lord. And of course, it was a serious matter because God said, look, I I said to do it my way, not your way. Well, they didn't want to listen to that. So God laid down the rules of approach. He says, this is how you do it. This is how I want you to do it. And I want you to do it every single day of your lives. If you want to meet with me and have an audience with me, there has to be a continual blood sacrifice every single day. Hmm. Well, to meet with him, to experience him required this. Look at the book of Hebrews in chapter 10. Jesus fulfilled the burnt offering sacrifice. And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Now where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he has consecrated for us, through the veil that is to say his flesh, and having an high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful who promised. The blood of bulls and goats was not sufficient to get us into the holiest place of God's presence. The blood of bulls and goats could never, never satisfy the claims of justice that were held against mankind. But thank God, the ultimate goal of redemption 
which was relationship and fellowship with God, was provided for us by the precious blood of Jesus, a one-time sacrifice who once he sacrificed and offered his life and shed his blood and applied the blood to the high court of heaven, opened up the door for every single one of us to have an audience with God, to meet with God, to worship God, to praise God, to be thankful to God for all that he's done for us. Jesus is the one who made that happen. So once his blood was offered, his blood speaks continuously about our redemptive rights to the throne of God, to become a son and a daughter of the Most High and have daily fellowship with him every day of our lives. Now let's back it up to the first verse. I know there's some verses here to read, but it's a Bible study. Is that okay to use the Bible? I appreciate that. For the law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things can never, never, never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered? Because that the worshipers once purged, should have had no more conscience of sins. But in those sacrifices, there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, thou hast had no pleasure. Then said I, lo, I come in the volume of the book. It is written of me to do thy will, O God. Above when he said, sacrifice and offerings and burnt offerings and offering for sin, thou wouldest not, neither hadst pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Then said he, lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first that he may establish the second. By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest standeth daily ministering and often offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, but this man, I said, but this man. After he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God from henceforth, expecting till his enemies be made his footstool for by one offering. He has perfected forever them that are sanctified. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. By one offering, one sacrifice, the shedding of his blood has perfected anyone and everyone who comes to him, giving us access to the holiest place of God's presence by this new and this living way. Well, thank God that Jesus did his part, but because he did his part, it's up to us to make a decision to do our part. Our part is to accept his sacrifice. Our part is to embrace him as our Savior and Lord. Our part is to enter into what is called the royal priesthood so that you and I 
can do the duty of offering up to God the sacrifice of praise on a day-by-day basis. If we want to add fuel to the fire of God in our lives, then it's necessary that we offer the right sacrifice so he can manifest his power, his glory, and continue the divine flame burning brightly in all of our lives. Look at 1 Peter chapter 5. You also, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house, unholy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices, not animal sacrifices, but spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. How? By Jesus Christ. Look at verse 9. But you are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation, a peculiar blood-washed redeemed people, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Just as the priests were to provide what was necessary, the fuel to the fire to keep it burning on a daily basis, We as the priests of God, remember Revelation that talks about he made us a kingdom of priests before God, have a priestly duty, a priestly responsibility. And that responsibility is this. We're to offer daily the sacrifice that pleases God on a day-by-day basis so that we can fulfill our duties and responsibilities as part of the royal priesthood. It's up to us to add the fuel to the fire so to keep keep the fire burning brightly in our lives individually and collectively as a church body as well. So that's our duty. It's our responsibility so that we could have kindled upon the altar of our hearts, the fire of God. We used to have a motto Years ago, when our youth group met back there, they called themselves consumed. And we used to ask them all the time, are you on fire? Are you on fire? That was the question. And we penetrated their very souls. Not are you lukewarm, not are you cold, but are you on fire for God? And it was a tremendous question to ask. Because you see, as we walk through this life, we have challenges along the way. There are distractions along the way. There are things that could cause us, let's say, to have on the inside of us a loss of spiritual initiative and energy. That's why that we have services like this. That's why we come together like this. So that we can gather together in his presence, offer up certain sacrifices to him, enabling him to do what? Cause that fire to burn brightly within our souls. And so we would ask them, are you on fire? And if there was a hesitation there, we'd have a good talk with them. Let's get you back ablaze with God. Let's get you burning with zeal on the inside in service to God. I'll never forget coming out in the charismatic movement, just getting saved in 1976, coming out of denominational church, didn't know much about God. Didn't know much about the Bible, but I got born again. 
that when I got born again, something on the inside of me changed. I then got spirit filled. When I got filled with the Holy Ghost and power and fire, something on the inside of me burned within my soul. I had a love for God. I had a concern for the things of God. I had a desire for God like I never, ever had before. 24 years being in a church, but never had one part of me ablaze for God. Matter of fact, it was the most boring thing I've ever gone through. I couldn't even tolerate it. I I couldn't wait to get out of the church service just to go my way and play some pool down the road. We had some bowling alleys, had some nice pool tables in it. And my friend and I, we got used to doing something like that. You know, we got so used to it that sometimes we'd skip church and just play pool. But never mind. I wouldn't even go there and tell on myself. But there was no fire in me. There was no zeal in me. There is no holy fire burning in my soul. Why? I wasn't born again. I wasn't spirit filled. I didn't know God. But oh, when I met God, praise God, and the day I got filled with the Holy Ghost, the fire was in my soul, the fire was on my tongue, it was burning inside me, everything in me was crying out for God. I was actually crying out for more of God, and when I cried out for more of God, guess what? He met me right where I was at, and flooded my spirit with holy fire, a holy flame. I'll tell you, it burns in, in me in such a way that it moved me from Youngstown to Tulsa, Oklahoma to find more of God to come back here to do his will, etc., etc. But why am I saying all this? Because it's up to us as the priests of God to do something about our spiritual condition. He has already kindled the flame within our souls. Look at Acts chapter 2. The fire has moved. It's moved from the temple I'm from tabernacle, it moved into the temple. It moved from the temple into a new temple. Jesus said, you see that temple right there? Destroy it. I'll rebuild it in three days. What are you talking about? It took some 40 some years to, to build that temple. And you say you can do it in three days. Who do you think you are? I know who I am. I'm the one who's going to suffer and die for the sin of the world. I'm the one who's going to pay the penalty of the wrath of God for the world. And when I arise from the dead, I hold the keys of death, hell, and the grave. I'll go to heaven. I'm going to sacrifice my blood. And when I sacrifice my blood, then whosoever will call upon my name, I will come into their spirit. I will recreate their spirit. I'm going to give them a brand new heart. I'm going to give them a brand new life. And then the fire of God, the Shekinah glory of God is going to Enter their innermost being because they will become the temple. Not this brick and mortar building, but they will become the temple of the living God. And that zeal, that flame, that fire is going to be in them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In them. Not buildings made with men's hands, but in them. Glory to God. Let's read it. Acts 2. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. It filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire. And it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I want you to see that the flame, the fire of God sat Upon each and every one of them. That wasn't by chance. That was intentional. That was God showing that now 
Each and every individual person is a holy temple unto God. And as the temple of God, the Shekinah glory can now reside within the human heart. And God can then enter into their being and dwell with them and in them to be their God and for them to be his people. As he said, he would walk in us and dwell in us. And so once again, where's that fire? Where's that holy flame? It's on the inside of each and every one of us. And it's up to us to do our part to do what? Offer the sacrifice that's going to keep it burning brightly within our souls. Look at the book of Romans chapter 1 because it brings more meaning out when we see this. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable or spiritual service. Our bodies are to be giving, given over to God as a sacrifice, a daily sacrifice. Remember, the sacrifices were daily sacrifices, a living sacrifice. It is our spiritual duty or responsibility to daily sacrifice something unto the Lord. That's our responsibility as priests before God. Well, the fire that's in us represents the divine life of God on the inside of us. But our part is as the priesthood to main, is to maintain that spiritual life and that fire and keep it aglow within our spirits. If you recall during that time in the 70s and 80s, there, was the, there were the aglow meetings, full gospel businessmen meetings, aglow meetings. That's what it was all about. The fire of God has entered in. The lives of people were being changed and transformed. They were coming out of denominational churches not knowing God and getting filled with and full of God and the power of the Holy Spirit entered in their entire being and just consumed them. They were consumed by God. You talk about a move of God. You talk about a revival that took place within their souls. I was a part of that. I'll tell you what, changed my life forever. How many of you were part of that charismatic movement? Raise your hand if you were. How many of us, almost the majority of us, came out of that? Well, as believers, there's an altar upon which we are exhorted to present ourselves to God as living sacrifices. It is our responsibility to keep that fire burning and make no excuses. And what is it? What do we do? Well, it's our daily consecration to God that fuels the flame within. As a matter of fact, as we said what they did, they had to remove the ashes. You know what the ashes represent? Yesterday's sacrifice. Yesterday's sacrifice. See, that's already been consumed. That was yesterday. Today's a new day. And today that sacrifice will be consumed. And then tomorrow, it's another day. And then we have to also, on that day, see, remove the ashes first. Secondly, provide fresh wood. What is fresh wood to us? Daily, what we're to do is pray, study the Bible, proclaim the truth of God's word in our lives. So we get rid of the ashes. Yesterday's gone. That sacrifice was made. Today, we get into the word of God again. We pray again. We offer the, the wood that's there is now burning again. And then thirdly, praise God, the fire of God is ignited. 
within our souls. The fire of God as we offer a new sacrifice. But the question is, what is that sacrifice that you and I have to offer? Is it a bullock? Is it a turtle dove? Is it a pigeon? No. You realize in some cultures they offer human sacrifices to appease their gods? And think they're getting somewhere by doing that? In some of these situations where you see kamikazes and you see people flying their planes into tall buildings, they're doing that because they feel they have a better resurrection. They're offering their lives as a sacrifice. Well, I've got news for the world. One life was offered as a sacrifice, and that's the only one that was necessary for all humanity to have a right relationship with God. And his name is Jesus. And the sacrifice has been made. Well, then what's our sacrifice if it's none of these things? Well, once again, since you asked, Hebrews 13. This should add so much meaning to this. We remove yesterday's ashes. Okay, we did our duty yesterday. We get into the Word again today, and we study the Word, get some insight from God for the day. And then finally, by Him. By whom? Jesus. Therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God. What's that next word? Continually. Remember that sacrifice was to be offered continually. The fire was supposed to be burning continually, day by day, by day, by day. Can you imagine all those years in the wilderness? Can you imagine the tabernacle being transported and they had to keep the fire burning? And that was their responsibility. And you saw what happened if it was a wrong flame, if it was not the flame of God, the fire of God, they died offering strange fire. I don't want to offer strange fire. I want to offer the divine sacrifice. It's the fruit of our lips. Doing what? Giving thanks to his name. Oh, hallelujah. That's the sacrifice. It's the sacrifice of praise giving thanks to his name. And you might think, well, why is that a sacrifice? That's easy to do, is it? Is it really easy to do? When you're challenged in your life, physically, emotionally, financially, relationally, and the list goes on and on, is it easy to offer to God the sacrifice of praise? No. If we let our emotions dictate to our lives... If we give our emotions the key to our tongue, you'll find out exactly what you think and exactly what's on the inside. See, God wants us to look within. He wants us to know the fire is within. He wants us to know if it begins to diminish. We need to stoke the fire. Remove the ashes. What's the ashes? Get rid of anything and everything that would hinder the divine flame. Could it be unforgiveness? Could it be fear? Could it be worry? Could it be anxiety? It could be so many different things that interfere with the divine flame. We get rid of all that. We get right back into the word of God and we start telling ourselves, praise God, lift up your head for your redemption draws nigh. 
Don't look at this down here when you can look at that up there. Some say there is no help for you in God, but you know what? Thou, O Lord, are a shield for me. You're the glory and the lifter of my head. I know I am tempted right now to be afraid. I, I'm tempted to fear, but I'm fear, I will not fear because you are with me. I won't be dismayed because you are my God. Yeah, yeah, praise God. You will help me. You will deliver me. You will uphold me with your right hand. You will strengthen me with the power of your might. See, we start shifting over, and instead of giving our emotions the key to our tongue, we give our heart to the key, the key to our tongue, and we start saying what God said. You will never leave me nor forsake me. You boldly said I could say that because you said it. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. I'm thanking you, Father God. I'm thanking you for saving me by your grace. I'm thanking you for filling me with the Holy Ghost. I thank you that I can do all things through Christ who is my strength. I want to thank you that I'm more than a conqueror through him that loves me. And by my faith, I overcome the world. I want to thank you that by the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. And my body responds to life. All the cells respond to life and not death. I want to thank you that you're my provision. You're my provider. You're, you're my Jehovah Jireh. You provide my every need according unto your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. That's the wood. And then I'm praising him. I'm thanking him. The fruit of my lips giving thanks to his name. You are Jehovah Sidkenu. My righteousness, praise God. And although my righteousness may be as filthy rags, yours isn't. And I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Jehovah Shalom, you are my peace of mind. I find my peace wrapped up in you and not in this world. The world can't give me peace like you can. I'm receiving it from you. You are Jehovah Ruah. You're the Lord, my shepherd. You're Jehovah Nissi, the Lord, my victor. You defend me. You fight for me. Man, I don't know what this is doing to you, but I'm about to run. I'm telling you, praise God on the inside. I'm, you keep saying that, all of a sudden the flame starts to just get brighter and brighter and more. I'm praising you that I'm healed by your stripes, Jesus. I'm praising you that you are Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Makedus. You're my sanctification, my sanctifier. You see, here's what happens. And this is so important for all of us. We want delivered. We want help. We want set free. Let's follow the way he said to do it. Because with the holy flame burning brighter and brighter, it burns up all the chaff. It brings deliverance into people's lives. It brings in the holy flame. It brings in the holy desire for a person to walk with God, to serve God. We try to get them delivered from the outside in. It's not going to work. We want to get them from the inside out. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in this world. The God who's on the inside of you, praise God, is bigger than the devil that's in this world. Bigger than your flesh. Bigger than any influence you can have out there on the outside. We start declaring that. We start proclaiming that. We start saying that. Someone says, well, it's been said about three or four times today. It's not about three or four times today. I don't know about you, but I got up early this morning and I went to the Y and went to the gym and worked out. Anybody else do that? All right. And I'm just thinking about this. You put a dumbbell in your arm and you can do it. How many times do you do it? 10 times, 20 times, 30 times. And you're going like this. Why? Because you want that to pop out. Pop out, right? Mm -hmm. then, you put, then you put it in the other hand. Or you're doing both together. Then you get on all these crazy machines and you're doing the same thing. Right? And then someone comes along and just says, when they hear you, they hear me saying, greater is he that's in me than he's in the world. Greater is he that's in me than he's in the world. 
Greater is he that's in me than he's in the world. Well, you ready for this? Greater is he that's in me than he is in the world. Greater is he that's in me than he is in the world. Greater is he that's in me than he is in the world. Why, why is it that this looks okay to do, but me saying that over and over again doesn't do anything? It doesn't do anything. It'll make you run around this building. It'll make you shout from the depth of your soul. Because you know why? One day it's going to hit your spirit that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And it'll become a reality. It'll become a truth on the inside. That's what it's all about. You keep saying it and saying it and saying it and say, exercise, 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 exercise until you be strengthened with the power of his might within. I can do all things through Christ who's my strength. I, as personal, can. I can, it's positive, do, it's practical, all things, it's pervasive through Christ, it's provisional, who strengthens me, it's powerful. You out there, have you gone home? (laughs) Hallelujah! Just like you bodily exercise prophets for a little while, that means while you're at home in the body, it profits. But godliness is profitable unto all things, having the promise of this life that now is and of that which is to come. So what's better for me to do? This with a dumbbell or praise God with my tongue? Hallelujah. Speak the word. Proclaim it. Declare it. It's exercise over and over. You're exercising yourself in spiritual things. And praise God. It's like adding fuel to the fire. It's like God breathing on it. And that holy flame just ignites and becomes brighter and brighter more and more. You see, that's the sacrifice that fuels the divine flame as we continually give thanks to his name. Sometimes I think we should just do that. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. When we get that revelation on the inside of us and we truly see all what he's done for us, what the result should be is on the inside of us, there is an attitude of gratitude and thanksgiving that rises up from our toes. Hallelujah. And is released through our lips. Thanksgiving is not a one day a year event thanksgiving is all day long every single day of our lives we want fire individually then keep on thanking him every single day offer the sacrifice of praise and just because you did it last sunday don't wait till wednesday it's every day every single day I'm offering to you my sacrifice of praise. You want the holy flame, the holy fire to rise up big within? There's your secret right there. So as we approach Thanksgiving, this Thanksgiving season, let's just begin right here and start right now. I want to start thanking you like I've never thanked you before. Because you see, the only sacrifice he said to offer is the sacrifice of praise. The fruit of my lips, giving thanks to his name. So I want to thank you, Lord. I want to thank you. Hallelujah. We do it daily, realizing that there's a need, just like they had a need daily to offer the sacrifice, to have a continuous uh, fellowship with God, a meeting place with God, and so on. Aren't you glad that place that you meet is right here? Amen. Uh, Let's all stand, if you don't mind.